Chapter 9. San Jose del Cabo. Search for the building's yellow throat. I wanted to get to the ferry terminal straight away to make sure we got on. The Topolobampo's ferry's day off was Saturday, and so, as it turned out, was Mazatlan's. We moped around the ferry terminal feeling helpless. There was a ferry leaving only for cars that two smartly dressed Mexican guys were asking about. We started chatting with them, and they very kindly invited us on as their passengers. We had to put our bags in their car for it to be weighed, and we were a little bit apprehensive that they might just drive off with our stuff, but they didn't. We had breakfast with Jorge and Abel, and they seemed pretty well off. Jorge was 40, married with a young daughter who he showed us a picture of. He just bought a new car in Mexico City for his wife and was driving it back to Baja, California. Abel, a politician, his brother-in-law, was keeping him company. They normally flew there. We arranged a meet-up in the afternoon before the ferry departed and spent the rest of the day looking around Mazatlan. The boat was meant to leave at 5pm, but was 45 minutes late. It didn't matter though, we were finally on our way to Baja, California. It was an awful night. We had three seats between the two of us, which was enough for one of us to lie down on. Most of the time was spent alternating between sleeping on the dirty deck and trying to drown out the awful snoring next to us by blasting out music through one earphone that worked. It was a real relief when morning came. Getting off the boat, we said our goodbyes to Jorge and Abel, saying that we may ring them. There seemed to be no bus leaving for a couple of hours, so we forked out 40 pesos each for a taxi to the bus station in La Paz. On the way, we saw some lagoons, golden beaches and blue-green sea with crashing waves that looked very inviting. We got straight on a bus to San Jose del Cabo, another three hours. The cheapest hotel in the guidebook was said to be in need of a painter and plasterer, which I guess they had taken half to heart by just painting over the crumbling and uneven walls with tasteless orange and blue paint. It didn't matter to us. It was our first bed in three days, and absolute luxury as far as we were concerned. The little we saw of San Jose seemed very peaceful and laid back. It was time to relax a little after our hectic travelling. After a rest, it was back to business, and my main target was one of the rarest birds in Mexico, a small yellow bird with a black mask called Belding's Yellowthroat. One of the few places to find it in the world is a few remnant reed patches around Estero San Jose Estuary. I set out alone at daybreak for the river. There was a sandy path leading along its bank, and on the other side, among the islets and floating plants, were egrets and herons looking for prey, and nervous groups of ducks ready to shoot in the air at the slightest provocation. The river wound gently along, sometimes bordered by palm trees. An osprey sat high up, scanning the river for fish. I finally reached a few reed beds behind a big hotel. Previously there had been a large reed bed here, but it had been chopped down to open the place up as an ecological area, destroying one of the few remaining patches of habitat for one of the world's rarest birds. Such stupidity and cruel irony really got to me. There was no life among the few remaining reeds, probably not big enough to support any birds. I walked down to the estuary and looked at the brown hearman skulls resting on the mud, and then on to the beach to watch where elegant terns were diving in the waves. Surfers walked coolly along the beach with their boards under their arms as I staggered along in my dirty trousers and long-sleeved shirt, clutching my binoculars and looking dreadfully out of place. It had got very hot all of a sudden, and the walk back really took it out of me. After freshening up, we headed for the market, where the food was supposedly delicious and cheap. It was neither. There were about eight different stalls with rows of plastic tables and chairs lined up with no customers in sight. Every single one of the pushy women tried to beckon us to try their food. The menus on the walls all looked identical. As in fact were the prices, as we found out by asking a few of the women. We got charged 40 pesos each for some inedible pollo con mole, some chicken and some tasteless fish. And what made it worse, we were surrounded by swarms of flies. 
I force-fed myself out of sheer indignation at being charged so much for something so bad. In the evening, we did, however, find a taqueria, or taco restaurant, with delicious tacos after taking a wrong turn. The plan the next day was to explore the other side of the river. No paths or roads were marked on my map, so we wandered through the sandy scrub where hordes of flies buzzed around horse manure. A path we found leading to the river bank turned out to be a dead end, so we had to backtrack. Eventually we came near the estero and started checking out some of the reed beds. One of the problems of finding buildings Yellowstone is that they're very good at hiding in the reeds. The other problem is they look almost identical to their abundant migrant relative, the common yellowthroat. The only difference being that they are a little bit bigger and they have a yellow forehead instead of a white one. So there I was desperately trying to catch glimpses of little yellow birds' foreheads and not really succeeding. It got hotter and birds stopped moving around so much, so we set off back across the sandy wilderness. I had been wading up to my thighs and was covered in all sorts of slime with my boots covered in mud and sand. We stopped at a small shop to buy a couple of soft drinks and I got some strange looks from the shopkeeper. After showering and changing we went out for a lunch of delicious tortas or toasted sandwiches followed by a chocolate ice cream in the shop next door. The plan for the afternoon was to go down to the beach but after having a quick lie down we both fell into a deep sleep waking three hours later. I went for another unsuccessful wade through the reed beds again coming out looking like a swamp monster. The sunset on the way back was stunning, with palm trees silhouetted against a bright orange sky. Lesser nighthawks feasted on a dusk sky full of insects, and we went back to the same restaurant as yesterday to feast on more delicious tacos. Time was running out to get to Guanajuato to see our friends. We really had to leave today if we had any chance to get there in time. I figured if we took the 10am bus to San Jose, we would be able to get to the ferry terminal north of La Paz in time to catch the 3pm ferry. I thought I would go down to the reed beds one last time, well before dawn, and try and get back by 9am. We didn't get to sleep till late thanks to our little siesta yesterday, and I felt like shit to put it nicely. I charged off at 6.30 and got there just as it was getting light. After listening to all the recordings I had made yesterday, I thought I had figured out where they were, but all I could see were little white foreheads. It got to 8.30 and I really had to be getting back. I decided to check one last bird. I stood there listening to its chirping and trying to catch some movement. When I finally managed to see it, I saw it was a female Beldings. I'd really wanted to see a male, but beggars can't be choosers. On the way back, I saw that the back of the reed beds were being ploughed up by a JCB. Just a few hundred square metres of habitat left, and it's getting destroyed. That's what it means for a species to be critically endangered. I felt angry and helpless. If I come back here in five years' time, I wonder whether they'll still be here. We caught the 10 o'clock bus and arrived in La Paz after 1pm, with less than two hours before the ferry left. The bus station was on the outskirts of town and we walked seemingly miles in the midday heat before finding a bus that took us into the centre. We got told at the central bus station that there was no passenger ferry today. How unlucky are we? Only cargo. We had come on a cargo ship so I figured we should be able to get on it again. After taking a half hour bus there we were told that we couldn't because one of us was a woman. There was no bus back and the taxi ride put another hole in our pockets. We went for tacos to make ourselves feel better but they weren't very nice. We did, however, find a restaurant that had cheap internet that we could do whilst listening to live music. Well rested, we woke up for an early morning stroll through the leafy suburbs of La Paz. The whole city is built on a very spacious grid and all the houses were bungalows or two stories at max, making it look like they went on forever. One house had hummingbird feeders hanging outside with Costa's hummingbirds, so I looked around looking like a peeping tom. The neighbour came out and asked me if I'd come to see their house for rent. There seems to be a lot of this in La Paz. We found a wonderfully cheap little cafe with wonderful cheap big tortas de jamón y queso, ham and cheese sandwiches, and freshly squeezed jugo de naranja. 
orange juice. We took the same bus as yesterday to the Pichinge Peninsula, and this time managed to get tickets. We had two hours before it left, so we went swimming in our underwear at a nearby beach before boarding the ferry, which was considerably more comfortable than the last one. It had restaurants, bars, and even a disco. We watched the sunset over Baja California for the last time and saw a couple of sea lions playing in the swell of the boat. We spent the night moving around the ferry, trying to sleep in various places and positions. We got a few hours on some soft sofas in the first-class cabin, but not much. We were supposed to arrive by 9am, but it got later and later with no sign of land. I amused myself searching for seabirds through my telescope. I saw a few black-vented and pink-footed shearwaters, and flocks of thousands of elegant terns feeding in the middle of the sea. Brown boobies flew behind the boat at eye level, and came within metres. At one point in the afternoon, I found a small bird on the deck of the ship, and on closer inspection I found it was a least storm petrel. It seemed stunned and let me pick it up. Maybe it had collided with the boat or just exhausted. It was my first ever storm petrel, and it was wonderful to see up close. After taking a few shots of it, I held it up to the edge, and it took off down towards the sea, which it flew just above until it was out of view. There was an announcement on the tannoy, after which everybody rushed out to the door. We and the only other foreigner on board, another Charlie from Canada, looked at each other puzzled. I went to check it out and found that the ferry wasn't going to arrive until afternoon and they were handing out free lunch coupons. Buses are usually on time, but for some reason trains and boats are interminably late. 